Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get spoiled. Just a heads up to say that this episode of The Who Watch contains discussions of race and racism. If that's not something you feel comfortable listening to right now, you can check out any of the other episodes in our feed. podcast where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. He's David, I'm Beth, we're two huge Doctor Who fans and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with The Crusade, the 14th ever Doctor Who story. Before we begin, please do remember to subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us on at Who Watch Podcast and you can email us with your thoughts on the story or our episodes at the, the Who, Who Watch Podcast, podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to make it sound like we actually said that together at the same time. It sounded to me like we did. Uh, If you're enjoying our travels through time and space, please do give us a rating on your podcast provider or tell your friends or tweet about it or all the the ways that people spread stuff. Spread the word of the Who Watch podcast. (laughs) Um, Also, if you're on Spotify, you can let us know your thoughts through the Q and A buttons. That would be good fun, wouldn't it? We are once again separate. Um, This is because... Uh, as you will have heard at the start of last week's episode, I was in hospital last week. Don't like to go on about it. Um, <laughs> I had surgery like a year ago and I'm still like, yeah, I had surgery. <laughs> Why not? Um, and, now, and now lovely Beth's sick as well. So um, we're doing really well for ourselves. Well, I wonder if you gave it to me, David, because... But then, I don't know. So, like, it, we went to a, a... I don't doc- think I did. We went to a Doctor who party last Saturday. We did. And then two days later, I started getting sick. And I just don't know if I, like, overdid myself with, like, social activities. Because the the day after that party, I went for, like, a six-hour walk, despite being very, very hungover. So I don't know whether I just made myself, like, exhausted and then got sick, or whether I got sick from someone at the party or like whatever it was i hope it wasn't me um, it's fine it's been going around everyone's had it but also i do think i do think that the combination of a six hour walk plus the hangover <laughs> yeah which would wouldn't would not help the immune system it was a yeah it was a lovely walk but i maybe should have throughout that walk i just kept like feeling really sick maybe not had 10 <laughs> bottles of red wine yeah i honestly don't think when so when i was on my way to london bridge to go for that walk there was a child <laughs> who was like holding a bottle of red wine and he it was like his mum's bottle of red wine and he just kept going mum is this red wine and every time he said red wine i like like i felt sick <laughs> i felt like i was gonna vomit Dipping. um but yeah we had we still we had a lovely time didn't we we watched church on ruby road we had a lovely time had some sonic screwdriver cocktails although we were in the presence of those horrible hula la boys so that was kind of gross but like apart from that we had a really good time 
I mean, I don't know why. I, we, we like giving to charity. It's almost comic relief. So, you know, we've just got to go and do something for a laugh, haven't we? Yeah, you got to give back, don't you? <laughs> got, to, got to give back. Got to give back. <laughs> ah, um, I, would say, I would say children in need, but they are much, much older than I am. So, um, <laughs> you know, help the, help the ages. much older. <laughs> help the ages. <laughs> we've got an email. <laughs> we've got an email. Lovely. It is from Joe Francis. Hi, Hi Joe, Joe Francis. Hi. <laughs> uh, Joe says, Hi, Beth and David. New fan here. I found you guys through Hulala. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> um, this is the cutest bit. Your podcast is very quickly becoming my go to when I'm out and about walking with my one year old daughter in her stroller through our sleepy town here in the Netherlands. Oh Incredible. my god! I listen to multiple in a row during the day and watch Classic Who at night when she sleeps. That's so cute. I'm so sorry, but that's the cutest thing ever. I just wanted to say that you brought in my day, and I can't wait to see you tackle some of my favourite serials such as Enemy of the World, Remembrance of the Daleks, and the 1996 TV movie Brackets. But that will take some years. I love <laughs> the dedication. Brackets. The dedication that this man is like. I'm going to listen to this for so long that I'm going to I'm going to listen to that episode about the TV movie. It's so lovely. <laughs> Thank you for being you and keep. Keep doing what you do. Joe, that's the sweetest email I think we've ever had. And also, by the time that your child is 10 years old, we probably will be getting to Modern Who. So buckle up. You've got a couple of years of this. I um, I just love... That was so nice. I kind of almost teared up at that. That was really lovely. At the BFI <laughs> screening for the Horror of Fang Rock a few weeks ago, I had a few people come up and talk to me about the podcast and they kept asking me where you were as well, David, which was so lovely. And oh, I met, you said yes. Did I say this on the podcast? I don't think you said it on the podcast, but you said it to me privately. Yeah, so I like I met this amazing guy and he he was saying like, you know, he loves the podcast and then he was like, I don't always agree with what you guys have to say, but I love listening to it and I was like, that's so nice. And then he said that he um he's a Tesco uh he works for Tesco.com and he listens to the Who Watch podcast while he does his Tesco deliveries, which is just the nicest thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I yeah. Love I him. love finding out where people are listening to Yeah. Us. I also found out the other day that um, one of the colorizers that worked on the Daleks listens to our podcast. So shout out to Rich for, <laughs> for listening. Um, that's really exciting. And yeah, we had loads of lovely people kind of like come up and chat about the podcast at BFI. And it was, it was nice to see real life people that I didn't really know who listened to us and kind of wanted to discuss with mm. me. Um, yeah, it was just really lovely, and it made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Well, if you yeah, if you see either of us at like BFI or kind of fan events, I probably will be in the corner having a uh, you know a gin and tonic and trying to avoid everybody. But come and say hello. <laughs> there is a quiz of Rassilon, um for the case of Angelzani fortieth anniversary screening at Riverside later in March as well. So maybe we'll both be there too. Okay, so David, can you? Please sum up for me in 30 seconds the crusade. Let me just set a timer. This story, guys, this story. I don't know if I can do this. Three, two, one, go. The Tidus lands in this forest. It's Palestine in the 12th century. Um, King Richard is fighting um, the Alamir. Is that what his name is? Oh my goodness. No, um, but... <laughs> Barbara gets captured. Barbara gets captured. Ian goes to rescue her. The Doctor and Vicky Ten. try to ingratiate themselves in Richard's court. 
and then eventually Barbara gets rescued by Ian and they leave, it's quite boring. Stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that was great. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I mean, can you tell how enthused I am by this episode, by that description? Yeah, yeah. So I... Listen, I watched this while I was quite sick. And <laughs> this is the first one of this season that has missing episodes. So we had to watch two episodes of this yeah. were... So episodes two and four are missing. I don't mind watching reconstructions. No, me um, neither. Or listening to, listening to like an audio version. Because I really enjoyed actually listening to Marco Polo. Yeah. Um, it just... It's just that this is... Um, uh, what are the words? Fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, I think the difference between this and Marco Polo is that when I watched the reconstructions for Marco Polo, there were many, 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 many more images. Like I think we said at the time that it was one of the most photographed mm. of the 60s Doctor Who stories. So there's, there were so many more images to use in the reconstruction, which meant that it was more engaging to see what was happening. Whereas with this one... Um, there were so little images that they just kept going back to the same one each time. And when there was silence, there, it wasn't really... You couldn't really tell what was going on. Whereas in the Marco Polo one that I watched, there was, like, a description of if someone left the room or someone came into the room. But I watched the reconstruction that was on the mm. season two Blu-ray. It didn't have that. Um, so I found myself not really understanding what was going on. Um, I also found that, again, it was quite boring so that makes it even harder to understand when you're watching like the same five images and then people speak do you know what i mean it just wasn't engaging enough mm. for me to really understand what was going on on the reconstructed bits I, I, like i'm comparing it to other historicals i think i enjoyed it slightly more than reign of terror i don't think we're in that league just yet because um there was far less for want of a better better word, French gobbledygook, um, as opposed to... I'm not saying that about the French language, I'm talking about, like, the, the historical context of what was going on. Just the way that it was written as well. I it. think it was written quite differently. It's far, far easier to understand than what was going on in Reign of Terror, but it just didn't have that oomph yeah, that so I think Marco Polo had. Something that I really noticed with this is that it felt like nothing really happened. Like, there was no... Obviously, so really mm. the main sort of storylines were that um, King Richard wanted to broker peace with Saladin by marrying off his sister to uh, Safadin, um, who's Saladin's brother. So that was, like, one of the main plots. Um, it felt like it f was focusing on that marriage thing and then, like, an ambush on the king as well, but I just didn't really feel like anything was happening. Like, there, there was no driver. The do like, the Doctor did absolutely nothing. Vicky didn't really do anything. There was, like, one scene that where she was basically telling the Doctor, you know, she was she thought that the Doctor was going to leave her there, and that was, a that was the only really bit of character development for any of the TARDIS crew the whole time. Yeah. Um, nobody... Like, yeah, there was no driver. There was nothing moving forward. There was no historical stuff really happening. There was no... You know, with the Aztecs, the whole point of it was, like, there was a lesson about you, you're not able to change history or um, this is how... Do you know what I mean? That It felt like there was there was a point of the story. I, think, I don't know what the point of the story was. I think the difficulty with that, though, is that once you've told that story, um, especially this early on, 
it's kind of difficult to tell that story again with the same people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not um, telling... I'm not saying they should have done that, though. I just think that yeah, I yeah, don't really yeah. know what the plot was of this. The main thing is that Barbara's missing and they need to get her back, but that has happened so often now that there was nothing interesting about that at all to me. Um, genuinely, I think the only bit that I was really, like, genuinely interested in was the scene with Joanna and King Richard and where they have an argument about her being married off to Safadin because Jean Marsh and Julian Glover gave the best performances and it was just genuinely a really interesting... It was a really interesting concept. I wish they actually focused more on that throughout the episodes. Can we dig into that? Because just... I was sat on the sofa (laughs) and I couldn't really pay attention to anything that was going on. And then in like like a breath of fresh air... Yeah. Like a fucking firecracker. Jean Marsh comes in. Yep. Who plays, like you said, plays Joanna, and then later plays um, Sarah Kingdom, who uh, whose story we'll get to. Um, and she's also in Battlefield. She has two further appearances in Doctor Who. Like, like it, she is just such a force of nature to watch. She was married to John Pertwee. Yes. Like what? <laughs> and you can imagine, you can imagine the two of them together just being like, yeah tempestuous and like ang- like fiery together it would be hilarious um mm-hmm. she just just brings in this completely fresh energy to the whole thing yeah and i can see why they later picked her to come back as sarah and then in the yeah. future to come back as um is it is it Boudicca or is it Gwendol- gwendolyn or... uh i have no idea i can have a look though um... and then in the future to come back in battlefield like she is just incredible that so she the, the two the two of them like her and julian glover um just, just bouncing off, off each other when joanna is told that she's, she's been married off to break, break a piece and, and obviously, obviously you know with a modern lens the stuff that she is saying i sat there was like this makes me slightly uncomfortable but obviously you can see from like a um a perspective of um 12th century Christian princess, you know, she she kind of goes and is like, if you're telling me that I've got to marry um, this Muslim prince, then you condemn you've condemned us all. You've condemned us all to hell. Um, and again, that's not something I agree with, obviously. <laughs> um, and it sits it sits rather uncomfortably, but like it, it that's why it's so good is because. You're sat there going, oh my gosh, this is like, this has got so many layers of emotion attached to it. And you can understand in some ways why, from how religious and, like, um, from a religious and liberty perspective, why she doesn't want to do this. Um, Mm. But also, you're kind of sat there kind of going, but it's just... It's just everyone's. It's all the same God. Everyone just calm down. Just like chill. Yeah. Um, See, yeah, and also so I it's like, like it's such a it's a great layered performance. It's so good. Yeah, I think she the moment she comes on screen and starts interacting with Vicky and the Doctor, she immediately it's like magic. Like I can really, I can really mm. see. Oh, I was like, just take her with you. Like she would be great on the TARDIS. Um, and oh, also yes. I th- it kind of. This is where I found it interesting as well that the Doctor didn't seem to really oppose the idea that she should marry Safadin, which kind of annoyed me a little bit because the Doctor was like, mm. oh, it's so good that you're thinking about peace. Like, yeah, go ahead. And I was like, well, 
Doctor, come on, mate. <laughs> like, don't marry her off. But also, I guess he, I guess he's thinking from a kind of don't interact, don't interfere with history. And so, if that's the way that they want to go, then that's the kind of yeah. Way but I, I read... I'm sure that he's kind of like. Well, sure, that's a great idea. Off, off you go. On TARDIS Wiki, it says that the story is notable due to the Doctor's actions. He justifies stealing clothes based on the fact that they were already sto stolen. He talks about how he admires bravery and hates fools. And strangely, he tries to push through King Richard's peace plan, even though he must know it won't work. So it's kind of, like, weird that he does that. The other thing I was going to say is that I found it interesting when I was doing research for this that apparently this, is, this story is, like, one of the only stories that portrays King Richard and Saladin in this way, that Saladin is kind of portrayed mm. as kind of compassionate and kind of, you know, not this horrible, evil person. And King Richard is kind of portrayed, mm. portrayed as, like, childish and a bit, like, annoying. Do you know what I mean? Apparently that was one of the only times that that mm. was really portrayed at the time, which I thought was interesting. You can kind of imagine why, um, you know, at that time, there's still leftovers of certain perspectives on the Middle East um, and on Palestinians and on Islam in 1960s Britain. Um, you can kind of imagine that that would be quite revolutionary in some ways to be writing from this particular perspective of, hang on, <laughs> maybe these guys weren't so bad after yeah, all yeah yeah and apparently um they said saladin's name like the, they pronounced saladin's name correctly which apparently was really unusual for media depictions of him in the west at that time so i thought yeah i thought mm. that it was interesting that it was more balanced than just like white christian good everything else bad did you know what i mean yeah can i also i'd like to correct the record on something that um we said at the end of the web planet which is it is apparently a fiction that uh, this wasn't sold to Muslim-majority countries. There are a couple of countries that did get this story. Um, so I would like to apologise and correct the record on that. Thank you very much. So that, yeah, that leads me on to an interesting thing, actually, that I wanted to talk about, is that, obviously, in this story, there are depictions of white people wearing makeup to depict them as not white people. And <laughs> I, I was reading about this earlier, and I've seen... So, obviously, blackface bad. This is not OK. What? Blackface bad? My God, you wokey. I'm going off of some responses that we had when we talked about this last time. Is that mm -hmm. so contextually at the time that was quite normal as a thing? Yes. That's not to say it was right, but yes. I've seen yeah. some people argue that this, yes, it was bad and yes, blackface shouldn't have been used and it was racist, but that this story mm. does it quite respectfully, as respectfully as you can be when you're doing blackface. <laughs> so, like, I'm not saying I agree with this, but um, I'm just saying as a point. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I agree. But what I'm saying is that I've seen, I saw some arguments when I was researching this that some people think that there's only really like one character that's a caricature. I think that's the ant guy, whatever his name is. Um, uh? And that the rest was played, like the other people were played quite respectfully and like the one played in like a stereotypical caricature way. 
Well, that's however. That's nice for people to think that. I, yeah, I was going to say. However, <laughs> I can see why people would respond that way, thinking about it in the context of the sixties. However, it's not okay. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, I just think it's really interesting to people's different opinions about this because obviously most of the people who... Most of the research that I was doing and the websites I was on, I'm pretty sure they were written by white people. So it's sort of like... Do yeah. you know what I mean? Sorry, white people. But it, it kind of really... That really sounds like an absorption of, of guilt. Yeah. You're like, well, it was blackface, it was bad, but like at least it was really respectful and they were, they're not doing slit eyes and, um, yeah. you know, Middle Eastern voices. They've just got some dark foundation on. That's fine. Uh, it's not. Let me just tell you, lads, it's not. And what's really interesting about this story is that there are non-white actors in this. One of the guards is is the first time that I've seen someone who was black on Doctor Who yeah. this early on. The black guards don't say anything. <laughs> they don't speak. They say nothing. No, they say nothing. They are, they are silent, um, but they're there. Ah, uh, so great. Um, but, like, just, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> just because they've got nice, posh English accents and, you know, they're not not pretending to be gorillas or, you know, pulling their eyes apart with chopsticks or, you know, singing Prince Ali, Gloriousy, Ali Ababwa. Just because that's not happening doesn't mean that it's not insulting and wrong. Um, and yes, again, as we've discussed previously, there is the context of the number of people who were in the country at the time and, you know, uh, you know, equity rules and all of these things that have historical context still doesn't mean that it's great. Still <sighs> yeah, mean that, I mean, it's know, like, that's the thing with offensive. this. You can say, yeah, there's historical context. Yeah, like it was the 60s. Yes, there might not have been actors who had acted, whatever, but we're viewing it in 2024 and it is uncomfortable viewing yeah, and yeah. it's it's not okay and we can present we can we can you know we can present other people's arguments we can present historical context you know we had a really angry yeah. email from someone after speaking about this with Marco Polo that was like four paragraphs long shouting at us being like you're wrong this was the historical four context paragraphs. more like eight it was more like eight <laughs> and do you know what it does the historical context doesn't matter we're here in 2024 to say that that was wrong and that it is yeah. offensive even if there was even if it was like the the they were. They had no bad intentions. That doesn't mean it was okay. You know. Mm. But you know, Beth. They're they're not they're not playing chopsticks on the piano, so <laughs> it's fine. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because I do I do really feel like um, the 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 racial stuff, the blackface, and everything really does take you out of the story because you, for me, like mm. it, it it just it just you can you notice it and it takes you out of it and it makes you. It, it makes you angry, it makes you not really want to engage with it. Like I, I, I said, like, 15 minutes ago, I still enjoyed Marco Polo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I still, like, enjoyed... I still have enjoyed parts of this story. Were those parts people who weren't in blackface? Yes, unfortunately. It was Jean Marsh. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> bit of this story. Um, I, like, I'm very aware that I can sit here with the uncomfortability of being brown uh, while watching this story and also find bits of it that I enjoy. Yeah. I think that yeah. there's this kind of assumption that we're... Like, there's assumption that, like, when we're watching it from a modern perspective, that we're saying there's no bits of this that aren't good and you should not watch it ever. Yeah. Uh, we're not of, saying it should be erased from history. Blackface. We're not saying it doesn't have worth. No. We're not saying it doesn't have worth in the world of Doctor Who and the world of television in general. We're just saying... 
this 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 isn't okay and there were bits of this that we liked and there are some things of worth but it doesn't mean it has to be erased um should we move on yeah <laughs> so i'm acutely aware that we haven't been with vicky very long and also that we don't have long left with ian and barbara i will preface that by saying that obviously <laughs> in the 60s i think we're in 1966 now um in the 60s this army uh, Bloody hell. No, sorry, no. Well, no, we're not. Well, we're, we're, we're still firmly in 1965. We're, f- <laughs> we're very much in 1965. Yeah, I, I don't know why my brain did that. Um, and I'm fully aware that if we were watching this in the 60s, this would have happened over a period of weeks. This story alone would have taken a month to play out. You know, yeah. we've still got, like, I think six parts of the Space Museum, uh, whatever's next, and the chase. Yeah, so it would be months away for the audience in the 60s that Ian and Barbara are going to leave. And it would have been a couple of months of Vicky being there. However, I do mm. feel like we've had almost nothing n- nothing with Vicky since really the rescue. I don't really feel like I know her any better. There was one, as I said earlier, mm. one really nice moment with Vicky earlier on in the story where she basically says to the Doctor that the TARDIS is her home and she, she fears that the Doctor's going to leave her and he's, abs- he's like, no, I'm never going to do that. They have a really cute moment and they hug. Apart from that, don't feel like I know Vicky anymore. Don't feel like she had anything to do in this story other than pretend to be a boy, which was was hilarious. Oh. But there was there was no, there was nothing. Can we dig, in, can we dig into that? Dig into drag. This is drag. Let's. Can we talk about when the when, when someone says a girl dressed as a boy is nothing understandable these days? <laughs> that felt like that genuinely felt like the nineteen sixties writers going. This is what. Uh, your mad uncle Richard says, yeah. but in the 12th century. <laughs> Which is so funny. And it still funny. feels like that's what your mad uncle Richard says now, and it's 2024. It feel, yeah, it feels like yeah. this feels like something like an uncle or an auntie would say at a wedding <laughs> right now in 2024. Yeah. Why is this girl wearing a suit? <laughs> um, that, that's really the only thing Vicky got to do. Barbara got... <laughs> has to suffer again. Vicky got to do drag. Yeah, Vicky got to do drag. Barbara has to suffer again and goes on her own little adventure. And there's some really nice moments um, with Barbara and I can't remember her name. A, a young girl, a lovely young lady. The daughter of the guy who rescues her. Yes, and her name is Maimuna. They're really cute together. Ian, William Russell was on holiday again. Ian gets knighted. That's the best part of this. Ian gets knighted. You know, when he has a great, like, fight scene at the beginning. Other than that, I um, can't tell you anything that any of the characters did. I don't even remember the Doctor doing anything other than stealing some clothes. Ian gets threatened with being pecked out of, of his liver by a bird, like an old Greek myth. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really... Oh, God, the story's shit, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just, I'm really sad thinking that we've... You know, I'm I'm sad thinking that we only have two stories left um, with Ian and Barbara and that we've had four stories with Vicky and I don't really feel like we're getting much from her. And also, I'm weirdly really missing Susan. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I, I just feel like we're not really getting very much of the TARDIS dynamic of the four core characters together. So I kind of miss that, I think. I think what I like about Vicky so far is that she is far more uh brazen than susan definitely yeah she like wants to have a fight with king richard when he's like no you can't go and rescue barbara oh yeah that's one thing that happens in this i wonder whether when steven arrives spoiler oh my goodness first mention of steven on the podcast i think Uh, when steven arrives at the end of the chase i wonder whether because they i've only watched a time meddler of their of the two of them on screen um, which is the last episode in this in this series. 
And the two of them have this very, like, brotherly-sisterly relationship, which I quite liked watching. So I wonder whether Stephen will make her come out of her... Like, make Vicky's character a bit more lifted up. Yeah, it does also just feel like... And maybe I'm just inferring this because we know we're near the end of Ian and Barbara, but it does kind of feel like, to me... Like they're getting, not, I don't think the characters done, have done anything to to make me feel this way. But I'm a little bit like, oh, like it feels like they're winding down. It feels like you know, God, like like Barbara getting kidnapped again. Like it just feels like you know, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're getting not, done. <laughs> not another one. Not another one. Not again. Not another one. It should be said that Dave Whitaker was very, very, very proud of this story, and he said it was the best, one of the best things he created um, and wrote for Doctor Who. So he he loved it. Um, Is he okay? Is he okay? No, he died. He's dead. <laughs> well, yes. Well, but, in, but in that moment, was, was he okay? He was really was proud of right it. And who, who are we to say that he shouldn't be proud of it? Me. I'm to say that he shouldn't be proud of it. David, if you're listening, you're not. You're dead. But there's plenty other stories that you have written far better than this. So he wrote The Edge of Destruction and The Rescue. Like that, that, those two episodes within each other are far superior than this. He wrote The Enemy of the World. He was a, a brilliant Doctor Who writer and script editor and I think provided something that um, I think was what Toby Haydock was talking about on the documentary that I was watching, is that a lot of people... Um, he, the way he described it was that everybody talks about um, Sidney Newman being like Doctor Who's dad and Verity Lambert being Doctor Who's mum, but nobody ever talks about the uncle, which was David Whittaker, <coughs> um, and what he provided to the show. It's interesting because I think... I love The Edge of Destruction and um, The Rescue so much. But, uh, you know, I wonder whether, if, if the episodes weren't missing, whether we would have felt a bit differently about it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just a reminder to please subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us at Who Watch Podcast and you can email us with your thoughts on the story or our episodes at thewhowatchpodcast@gmail.com. Also, you can leave us a review if you're liking what you're hearing. Uh, and if you've got any questions or you want to get in touch with us, you can also get in touch via the Spotify Q&A buttons. Okay, should we go into our bits? Let's go on to our bits. Can I just say, before we continue, that while we've been talking, um, photos have dropped of um, Vivian O'Para. Um, <gasps> Is she on a red carpet? At the, at the E BAFTAs. And oh my... Oh my God. God. Bring can back I, can Tanya. We, can we just say... Can we just say... <gasps> that, like, she looks amazing. Uh, can we... Like, I, I just want to say, before we continue, that, like... Vivian O'Para having her first act, like her first on-screen acting appearance in the Doctor Who universe, and going on to now become a BAFTA-nominated leading actress. She is, is insane. Just such an incredible journey, just an incredible journey over the last like seven, eight years, and all pro- all props to her because I just I just think she's incredible. She's fantastic. If you've not seen Rye Lane, which is a film that she's nominated for, go and watch it. I genuinely think she's the best part of class as well. Like she's such a phenomenal actress. She is so, when we get to class, I am I'm really excited to go back to it because it got so maligned at the time for reasons that we will talk about. It's very good. But it's I, very good. 
it's it, I th- from what I remember, it holds up. Um, it is. And... It's, it's much better than Torchwood season one, I think. If we're comparing season one. Oh. oh. Sorry, we've gone on that. Did you hear? Do you hear me, John Barrowman? Do you hear what I've got to say? Well, let's do our stars. <laughs> let's talk about the oh stars for this episode. Oh my stars. Um, okay, so can you remind me? Can you remind me what we gave the Web Planet? Was it three? We gave Webby Plan three. Okay, so I'm gonna go straight in and say that I'm gonna give this a two. <laughs> Do you want to say that with any more pain in your voice? It two. sounded like I was um, pushing out a poo. It did. <laughs> as I said that. A poo for two. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give this a two, which I think we also gave the Reign of Terror a two, and I don't think it is as bad as the Reign of Terror, but I can't, I can't live with myself to give it a three. So <laughs> it's going to be a two. I would agree. Um, Jean Marsh fucking saves this. Um, it would be a one if not for no. That's not true. If it well, yeah. To be honest. Yeah, I, I think, think I, I think Jean Marsh is the saving grace. That and Vicky and drag. That and Vicky wearing boys' clothes. Is, yeah, is Vicky is in the drag. Saving graces of this episode. Basically, the women saved this episode for me. Uh, the women. It's always the women, the saviors of Doctor it's Who. Always the bloody women. Yeah, should we stick with two then? Let's do two stars. Sorry, Crusade. Song of the story. So every episode we choose a song each that we think should go onto our playlist, which is available on Spotify. If you search Who Watch Podcast Song of the Story, we've got a playlist for season one. We have a playlist for season two. And we battle it out to, to decide whose song should go on the playlist. My submission this week is for a song by an artist that is controversial, although we have um, put Nicki Minaj on the playlist twice um, in recent weeks. Um... My nomination is Swords by M.I.A. I don't know that song. It starts off with Swords going clang, 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 clang. Okay, fair enough. I can understand why you picked that. Do you want to listen to it a little bit? Is it? Okay, which one is it? Because it's like two on. It's either. Here. okay so why did you why is it why are they controversial though oh um she is uh anti-vaccine christ on a cracker and a 5g conspiracy theorist (laughs) great (laughs) it's unfortunate because she is like one of the best producers of our of our entire like last 20 years and yet she just Ugh. what is it what is it with people just making tits of themselves online i feel like i feel like people some people are just allergic to their own success so they just can't let it happen they've got to sabotage themselves i have picked a song from horrible histories oh my lord <laughs> which is called i'm a knight no oh. and it's one it's, it's, i'm a knight i'm a knight i'm a knight and our only <laughs> aim in life um, is to fight yeah, so I picked this one um, because Ian became a knight um, and <laughs> no, really? immediately that horror History song came into my head. 
Yeah, so that's my pick. <laughs> Horrible histories. Right, so who do, who do we think is the winner? Horrible histories or MIA? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to put on I'm a Knight. Okay. Thank Fucking you. Stupid. I love Shout it. out to um, Matthew Bainton, Steve Hunt, and Jim Howick for that amazing song. Why is it that Matthew Bainton gets a shout out on this podcast every single fucking week? You know what? One day we're going to meet him and tell him this. One day we'll be <laughs> we like, get Math- Matthew Bainton. Matthew, Matthew, listen. <laughs> listen, babes. Uh, we must know somebody who's friends with him. Please get him on the pod. If anyone, want, if anyone knows Matthew Bainton, please tell him. Please put us in touch. Please put us in touch. Should we go on to our next segment? Beth, every week we pick a quote from an episode. Yes, we do. Story. We do. Um, and we we choose a quote based on stupidity, nonsense. Out of context. Uh, what is your choice for the quote for this episode? Um, I had two. Well, I had two, which oh, I'm so sorry. I always bring up yeah. one or two, but they're both very funny. So the first one is, oh, thank thank heavens they've taken that gag away. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> which is something that Barbara says in like episode one or two. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I just thought out of context is really funny. But also there's a bit that the doctor says in episode two where he says, our young friend is a woman, sire. Have pity. <laughs> Arguably one of the funniest first Doctor quotes ever. <laughs> have pity. Have pity from this She's poor a woman. woman. Have pity. Which can I just say? Can I just add? I don't think the Doctor actually believes that. He's just saying that within the context of where they are. Um, but it's yeah, it's just very funny out of, out of context. And what is your quote, David? What have you chosen? I can't remember who says it, but they say he was going to slay me. <laughs> I love that. He was going to slay me. He was going to slay me. He was going to slay me. (laughs) He was going to slay me. Oh, I think we should pick that one. I like that one. Yes, it's one of the guards when um, Haroon gets confronted and, like, punched to the ground. Uh, The guy who punches him uh, sees that he's gone for his knife and then doesn't have his knife. And and one of the other warriors comes up and is like, who have you got there? And he says, I do not know, my lord. He was going to slay me. (laughs) Okay, let's pick that one. I like that one. So we normally pick a background character for every story. It's somebody who usually doesn't speak or like a background thing. So we've picked like the earthworm from Planet of Giants before. We've picked people. We've picked all sorts. Um, so what's your? who's your background character of the week this week, David? Um, I'm conflicted. There's two. Um, there, there is Haroon's knife. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Which is the knife that Barbara gets when she's told, if the guards find you, uh, when she's escaped from the, um, she's escaped from El Akir, and she finds herself in the presence of Haroon and his daughter, and Haroon's like, listen, if you, if you, if the guards come uh, and find you in the hiding place that I've chosen for you and my daughter, uh, kill my daughter and then kill yourself. Um, and she goes, I'd, I'd rather not if She's that's like, all really? right. And he Come goes, on. well, would you really do I have to? And then, and then Barbara, and, and then Haroon goes, well, um, would you 
would you leave my daughter in the arms of these soldiers? And she goes, no, I wouldn't. And then goes, great, I'll, I'll leave you the knife then. Um, cool. <laughs> but the knife is just becomes this character of its own, of just like this cur- like slightly curved, weird looking, it looks like a cheese knife. Like, you know, when you slice an octopus <laughs> cheese, it's that kind of like curved, slightly curved knife. And it's just like, hello, I'm here. Um, my other background character choice is uh, the silent black sentry guard. <laughs> Because it's a, it's a win it's a win for diversity and representation to have silent black men be uh, strong and threatening. Jesus, cool. That's a win. That's a win in my books. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, I yeah, I understand why you picked both of those. So there's a character, David. Now you will know. I don't know how many people understand this reference. There is a character that looks exactly like Scooter Braun. <laughs> and I'm going to send you a picture. And unfortunately, he starts to speak quite a lot. So I don't actually think that um, I can call him a background character. But I've just sent you a picture on WhatsApp, David, so you can see what I mean. Um, so instead, I'm going to pick the 72... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he like you abroad? <laughs> he's got just as... He's got just as irritating a face. Right? I was like, that's so weird, because that man's definitely seen an iPhone, but this was filmed in the 60s. <laughs> um... <laughs> But so I can't pick him. This though. is a man who has seen an iPhone. Yeah, I I can't pick him because he spoke too much. So I'm gonna instead pick the 72 ants that they used in the scene where they put honey all over Ian and lead the ants to his his chained up body. Um, the 72 up. ants that they Not borrowed the from 72. They, they borrowed 72 ants from London Zoo for the filming of this. So my background character is the 72 ants. Fuck's sake. Not the 72 ants. <laughs> not 70. What, but also, not 71. Not 69. 72. Not 73. 72. The 72 ants. Wait, I'm just double checking if that's the right number. Hold on. I'm a knight. I think I'm it is. Knight. I'm a knight. Uh, and I'm 72 ants. 75 ants. I was wrong. It's 75 ants. It's a very specific number. Why that and not 72 ants, like you originally said? Don't know. But my background character are all 72 ants that they borrowed from London Zoo that we didn't even really get to properly see because that was from the missing part. Three ants left out. (laughs) (laughs) We cancelled three of the ants. We returned um, three ants in the box. Okay. Imagine trying to return those. Wait, sorry. They borrowed 72, 75 ants. How do you return those ant, those ants? I don't understand. Like, is there an ant wrangler? I don't know how they get them back in the ant box. Like, what? <laughs> Into the ant farm. How do you return ants? Sorry, we need Sarah, we need Sarah the ant wrangler. Could you get Sarah on board? Just, yeah, you just can, sit and count, please. If yeah. anybody is listening, can you tell me, please, um, how they got those 75 ants back ants. to London Zoo? Like, do they just let them free or do Sarah, they take them back to London Zoo? Sarah, we need to take the ants back to... Yeah, I've only got... Keith, I've only got 69 ants. I need, <laughs> I need the full 75, otherwise London Zoo will not accept us. No, no, I need the full six. I need the full seventy-five ants. I can't. I can't leave here without all of them. Headcount. Like, or is it like at a wedding? Is it like at a wedding when they're going back to the hotel and they've got you got a clipboard, right? One, two, three, four, five. You got on this minibus. Yeah, that must be it. They must have their own ant mini minibuses. The ant minibus. Oh God. Okay. Um, is that the name of this episode? The Crusade, aka a wrangling seventy-five ants. Yeah, or 75 ants on a minibus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a film. Ants on a minibus. 
<laughs> okay. From the makers of Snakes on a Plane, 75 ants on a minibus. <laughs> three weddings and a funeral. You've heard of, you've heard of three weddings and a funeral. <laughs> 75 ants on a minibus. <laughs> From the makers of Piranhas 3 Double D. <laughs> and four weddings and a funeral is 75 ants on a minibus. Oh my God. <laughs> This is this is uh, like this is as good as medium rare flip flaps. Oh, um, <laughs> should we go on to our fact? Because that's our final. For the segment. makers of medium rare flip flaps. <laughs> let's let's go on to our fun facts. Um, do you want to start, Beth? I love hearing your fun facts. Yeah. So um, my fun fact. It's actually not very fun. It kind of made me sad. But apparently it was during this story that Verity Lambert decided to leave the show and that she was going to... She's going to leave Doctor Who. And it made me really sad that we're coming up to that time because she's basically the show's only female showrunner and she did such a good job and I really don't want her to go even though it's already happened. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was during this story that that happened. And it it just went downhill from there and it just was cancelled after that. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who isn't the same without the woman. Me after Jodie Whittaker left. Bring her back. Also, there's also there was also a little bit. Something, that's something as a male presenting Time Lord you wouldn't understand, <laughs> Beth. Just while I'm here because I've got it in my notes and I hadn't spoken about it yet. Um, this is not part of my fun fact, but Julian Glover spoke a little bit about his time on set and he spoke about how difficult William Hartner was to work with. And I think it's it's so interesting that often nowadays it's really hard to separate the art from the artist. Like if you hear about an actor being an arsehole on set, mm. you're kind of like, you know, oh, I don't really want to support them anymore. Or I find it difficult to watch them. Whereas whenever I hear about William Hartner being difficult to work with, I just feel like <laughs> to me, like, I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> I just think it's. Oh, I just think. I just think it's so interesting how complicated he was as a person, and I really want to read more. I think his granddaughter wrote a book about his life, and I'd love to read that because mm. I love. I'm so interested in how how he was so deeply invested in Doctor Who that it, and 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 making it perfect and caring about that role that he was difficult to work with and he was quite insecure. Because this was like, do you know what I mean? I just find it so fascinating and I still... Mm. It doesn't make me love him any less that he seemed to be so difficult. Do you know what I mean? Tell me a fact. I will tell you my facts. Um, there's quite a lot of good facts for this one. Can I, can there I do is, a yeah. Yeah, please. So I want to start with... Um, <laughs> um, Douglas <laughs> Camfield, who was the director... The director of this episode um, organised for a dead cow to be brought onto the <gasps> set. Um, <laughs> what? Um, he organised for a dead cow to be brought onto the set. Why? Um, for one of the scenes. Uh, it was to achieve particular shots through the rotting ribcage. The carcass attracted flies and emitted an odour beneath the studio Ooh, lights. Oh, of course it did. Jesus um, Then... Uh, obviously, we know that Jean Marsh comes back as as Sarah Kingdom. However, uh, also considered for the role of Joanna was one Adrienne Hill, um, who later goes on to become 
brief companion, um, <laughs> Katarina. Yay! So both of the both of the people. The reason she wasn't picked for the role was because um, she was thought that to be too short uh, to play Joanna. Bit rude. Um, but yeah, it's quite funny that both of the people who were considered for that role um, ended up being short term companions. Yeah, uh, and Although, dying. Well, I think it's interesting because. Aren't they both only in, like, one story? Like, Sarah Kingdom and Katarina are only yeah, in one story. Yeah, they're both only in the Dalek, the Dalek's master plan. It's, it's so interesting because when I was a kid learning about Classic Who, you go through, like, all of the companions. And so in my head, Katarina and Sarah Kingdom have always been, like, proper companions. But then, like, if you were to say to me, yeah. like, is, is um, Christina D'Souza a companion? Because she was in one episode... Or, We'd say or, no. or Frank Skinner's character in Mummy on the Orient Express, you'd say no. So it's really interesting that they have yes. that kind of... That they're sort of seen as companions, even though they're really not. Whereas that doesn't really happen in New Who when they're... Like Astrid Peth, like, do people count her as a companion? Probably not. I think also it depends on whether people like those characters. Because I, I hear far more people say that they count, they count Astrid as a companion than Christina D'Souza. I would love it if we could get Frank Skinner on this podcast. I think he'd be so into it. He was, I think he'd have a lovely time. He was at the um, Fang Rock screening and they got him up on stage and he had a sonic screwdriver in his pocket and he just didn't mention it. It was just there and I could just see it. <laughs> um, I've got one final fun fact and it's kind of gross. Another gross one. Go off. One of the reasons that David Whittaker really liked this story is because oh. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, oh, it's kind of, yeah it's because of like the relationship between Ri- king richard and joanna um and he said in his um in in an interview uh he said the crusade is a story that i'm technically proudest of like he said um it achieved almost to a word what i set out to depict him with people with some interestingly real characters i became fascinated between the relationship uh, between Richard and his sister, which was almost incestuous in its intensity. Yeah. And then <laughs> William Hartnell got thank God for William Hartnell because he apparently demanded that the dialogue implying any sort of incestuous relationship between Richard and Joanna <laughs> be removed, as he felt it was inappropriate for family series. And then Julian Glover and Jean Marsh, who were aware of the original intentions were keen to reinstate the central undertone to their performance. However, they were deterred from doing so by Verity Lambert, who advised them, quote, don't think I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) Wow. Honestly, I mean, I think it could have been... I actually think it could have been more interesting and funnier, but maybe not fully suitable for a family audience, so I can see why they decided to cut that. It would just be so grim to be like, oh this incestuous relationship between a brother and sister. Let's put that into a tea time family show. Ugh. So I, th- I think that's a wrap on the crusade. Um, I'm looking forward to the space museum, <laughs> but I'm scared about Ian and Barbara going. That's, that's quite odd to hear you say that you're excited and interested to watch the space museum, given how much I've heard you be like, oh, I didn't like this. This was the point where I stopped watching. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember why though. I just, I think maybe it was an accident. I'm not even really sure. Anyway, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm just excited because I didn't love the crusade okay um should we say our thank yous i think we should um thank you very much to the wonderful reese Connolly. thank you so much reese reese does our artwork and makes everything look really hot and sexy um so thank you so much reese we really appreciate it and um, unfortunately gallifrey cabaret has now sold out so if you wanted to get tickets to that you'll have to join the waiting list um but yeah and we'd also like to thank hayden Wynn, who made a beautiful theme tune and music thank you hayden
And we want to say thank you to the Black Archive, who are wonderful and hold a reserve of all these beautiful images in high quality from Doctor Who's history. And we use them all the time for our social posts. We really, really appreciate you collating that all together. I don't know who, whoever it is behind the Black Archive, I want to know who they are. Yeah. Actually, no, you know Let what? I know. don't. Yeah, I no, don't it's better to be are. a mystery, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that'll be a mystery, a little mystery of this person out there in the world collecting high quality photos of, you know, John Pertwee driving around a swimsuit. <laughs> okay, and that's a wrap on the Who Watch podcast crusade. We'll see you next week for the Space Museum. See you next week, unless one of us is hosp- unless one of us is hospitalised again, which hopefully not. Oh yeah, I would I would like to avoid any sort of hospitalisation for either of us. Great. <laughs> Ta-ra! Ta-ra! <laughs> <laughs>